Welcome to Bike Talk. I am Andrea Learned, Climate Action Leadership Strategist. I'm fairly new, just kind of a couple of episodes into um, this podcast. And so I wanted to just kind of give a little update, a kind of a description of what the conversation will be. We're going to focus on how we might create a rising tide that lifts all e-transportation boats and bridge the e-bike um, with the EV appreciation. So on that note, we're super lucky to have Chelsea Sexton with us today. Her quick bio in my mind is she has one of the deepest histories in EV advocacy and leadership that you've ever seen. Um, she was in it from the early days of EV1 and is in that documentary, Who Killed the Electric Car? She's now an independent consultant um, and really highly regarded in this space. So what I wanna do is start right in with the matter at hand, electrifying transportation and the opportunity to lift EVs and e-bikes e up as solutions together. So welcome, Chelsea. Thanks for letting me crash your party. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> We're just getting nerves. It's, it's so are. fun. <laughs> yeah. So th the fun thing is, is that we met on a platform that neither of us is really very familiar with. I guess you'd say we're both pretty brave. Um, we got on Clubhouse and it sort of gets to the point that we're going to talk about today, which is I am a fairly new owner of a Nissan Leaf. I have sort of resisted it because I've had a car that I don't use very much and I've got my e-bike and I've just sort of resisted it. Then my very, very old car broke down and I was forced to like deal with this. I bought the Leaf and I was just like, oh my gosh. So suddenly I realized that I wanted to be in clubhouse rooms talking about EVs and e-mobility overall, not just e-bikes. And that's what dumped me into a clubhouse room where you were speaking and I just loved your energy and your enthusiasm. <laughs> and so I wanted to meet you. So we met and I would love for you to talk a little bit about the first thing that really brought us together, which is both being aware that the EV people and the e-bike people have a thing where they're, they seem like they're fighting more than getting together. So share with me any of your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was a really unusual history and Clubhouse is kind of a quirky social media platform. But one thing that I found after joining that is that the majority of folks I've come across there are not the same people that I am finding on Twitter or on Facebook or on LinkedIn, even if we're all also there for whatever reason, our paths hadn't crossed. So it was super handy. And then obviously we connected right away on, on Twitter direct messaging and the rest is sort of history, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, I see a few a few fronts. We have always been in the electric vehicle, electric mobility space, a fantastic circular firing squad. And it used to be just fuels. It used to be sort of the hydrogen people versus the EV people versus the ethanol people. But it is now much more multimodal. And even the the sort of urbanist housing track is part of this as well. And it's I understand it. I know, I know why it happens. And yet I am sort of perpetually frustrated with it. And I always want to sort of break down the silos and bring people together. And in particular, after 25 years of working on EVs, it is this more complex stuff that most excites me. I am less worried about how to sell more Teslas and how to incentivize that particular thing. But I'm really concerned with the thorny issues of other vehicles besides just cars. I want people to stop thinking of EVs only as cars. Vehicles by definition are everything from scooters and bikes to transit and class eight trucks and goods movement and airport electrification and all sorts of nerdy side topics. And so the more we can frame around replacing fossil fuels with electrons in particular, 
the better we are. And when it comes to bikes, obviously the point is not necessarily to re replace analog bikes with electric, but the degree to which electricity is enabling of biking at all, whether it's for recreational reasons and people building up their fitness or enabling longer trips that they wouldn't feel comfortable on an, on an analog bike, but get them out of a car, all of those things I think are great. And the more inviting we can be to all of that and the less judgment we can employ toward each other, and especially the newbies trying any of these things at all, the better this will all go and the faster it will all go, which is my priority. <laughs> Well, I love that yeah, the specifics of newbies, like it, yeah. it's just like, how do we get these people thinking differently? And before we started recording, I mentioned that I ran into a guy in the grocery store parking lot. I just pulled in my leaf and he was walking by the back as we're walking in. And literally he was like eyeing the car. You know? And right. I, knew, I knew he was. And so one of the things that I say with regard to really being a kind of a loud advocate is when you notice people looking at your EV or your bike, your e-bike, go hi, it's cool, isn't it? You know, like start Great. the conversation. And so I started the conversation with him and he was totally getting it. And I was just like, oh, it's a me, you know, it's just, I love the leaf and I love the whole thing. And then he was like, yeah, he's like, cause I was thinking about switching, you know, I have a car, a big truck that I use for work, but I was thinking about how, you know, and I was like, I go, oh, totally, totally. And then I go, and don't forget, even for shorter trips, there's an e-bike. So I literally, like right. I just, and, and I, he was just, he was like, I'd never thought of that. So anyway, it's just, it, it's the complete newbie, never thought of it in a million years. There's EV and then there's e-bike and they are paired. And once you get on an e-bike, I believe you're going to be more interested in EV. And once you're in an EV. And vice versa. Yes. And so yeah. that's the it's not unlike EVs and solar. I mean, quite often you'll, you'll get drawn in on one side and then more interested in energy use and, and it expands from there. And then you start to think more about the sort of right tool for the job when it comes to transportation, which really needs to be the goal. I'm one of those people that thinks electric cars are really cool and I like torque and horsepower and I like that they're fast and fun to drive. But I also really believe we need to be doing far fewer things in cars, particularly private cars. And that when that's the right tool for the job, so be it. But if we can share them and, and do other things to, to ease congestion and increase equity and access and all of that, all of those are, are great priorities. But the more we can give people other compelling options to get out of their cars, the better. And that has to happen. We have to reduce individual vehicle miles traveled when it comes to, to actual cars. So it's a big picture and, and transit, let's not overlook. It has a massive role and the integration of those things, you know, bring your bike to the transit and all vice versa. And we get so it, so much in our own way <laughs> in a lot of ways, because we, we try to make the perfect the enemy the good and we end up lecturing people into, well, why didn't you do this instead of that, instead of inviting them into the tent and getting them interested and excited and then educating them. I mean, there's a path to this, but as you say, like, oh, he was nerding out over your leaf. Awesome. That's a great way to open the door to have that conversation and vice versa when it comes to bikes. But I think, I mean, sometimes EV, electric bikes are super obvious, but not all of them are. Some of them their batteries are very well integrated and it's not obvious that it's electric. And so I'm not sure if it's quite the same degree of conversation starter, but either way, whatever gets somebody interested, the more we can invite them welcomingly into that conversation, the better we are.
Yeah, and I to your point, it is true that the e-bikes are starting to look, you know, more and more like bikes. And I think uh, e-bikes will become Kleenex, right? We will stop saying analog and acoustic. Right, acoustic sure, bikes. acoustic, yeah, whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Kleenex. Like bikes are just going to be e-bikes, and I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because there's no there's no reason for them not to be. And I mean, I of course, as we're talking, it's all about also full on accessibility so that anybody has access to buying an e-bike, et cetera. Yeah. But our conversation, and I think what's so fun, what we're talking about, and that you're in the space with VCs and sort of deep, deep, heavy duty transportation people and whatever, which is newer to me. It's just like, have you ever thought of? And so one of the things I'm interested in is, did you because you've been in EVs for so long, is there a messaging or communications or any kind of like interesting thing you saw in the history of when EVs suddenly started taking off, I don't know, a couple of years ago, what was the story or the messaging that got people to really think about it? And to your point, the difference between the average kind of putting a message out there for the average consumer, but really speaking to leaders right. to change this stuff. So messaging, I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I find very different messaging. Um, well, I use very different messaging based on sort of consumers versus industry or leaders or, or folks like that. The industry leader folks, I, I am a pot stirrer and I'm sort of gently up in their face, sort of challenging them going, all right, we need to broaden our own conversation. All these industry conferences are around electric mobility are also largely car-based and increasingly in fairness, goods movement is a big conversation in our nerdy space. But we are, when it comes to passenger vehicles, consumers, we are not really yet talking beyond private cars, except for kind of a little bit electrifying the TNCs, the Ubers and Lyfts. But Bikes are not really part of the industrial conversation or any, even smaller cars, like, yeah, even, you know, there's a few different models of sort of neighborhood or city vehicles. And even those don't really get very much attention, but trying to, to get towards smaller instead of bigger. Yeah. So I'm constantly sort of challenging all of that. And how do we, how do we drive that forward? And let's, let's not get in our own way by ourselves only thinking about EVs equal cars. We have to do better ourselves before we can expect anyone else to do better. And certainly before we can expect the bike people to want to engage with any of us, we have to be talking about bikes. So there's a lot of sort of finger pointing back and forth. So with them, it's very much challenging. With consumers, it's big tent. I mean, we over-rationalize all things electric and sort of here's why you should like an electric vehicle <laughs> of whatever type. Producer of our first film, he calls it um, more ice cream, less spinach. Like We need to focus on the joy. People are emotional purchasers, especially when it comes to vehicles. And that's cars, but it's also bikes. We buy emotionally, we justify rationally <laughs> quite often. Certainly the markets we're aiming for. And so rather than go like, here's the, it'll pencil economically by 2028. It's like, no, it's cool and it's fun and it's quiet and it's smooth and it's fast and it's whatever. It's all of these things that you normally look for in transportation, <laughs> but we don't really think about doing that with electric vehicles of any stripe. So the more it can be that, the more effective it will be. But also I, I, I draw a pretty hard line and this comes up in cars a lot, but but I see it also with bikes. I draw a hard line against giving consumers a hard time for their choices. The first biggest yes. step for anyone to take in our case is getting a thing with a plug in the first place. Yes. And I know it, it, the, the, the factions in, in electric cars are really common, sort of the Tesla people versus the Chevy people or whatever. Yes. 
all the data shows that once people try anything electric, they only do more of it from there. Just like you had, you know, bikes and then went to cars. And so people go start with cars and go to bikes and however it works, it's all good. But getting them into the tent is the first biggest step. So I, even though we all have our subjective favorites, I never give somebody a hard time of like, oh, you bought that as your first one. Oh, yes. God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. All day long, I will challenge automakers to make them better cars or bike companies to make better bikes, but I do not shame consumers. And we have to be careful about that. And I see in the bike front, I see it a little bit with sort of the original purist acoustic folks going, oh, e-bikes are not real bikes. And the people that use them are not real bikers. And maybe, but really who cares? And what, how does it serve us and where we're trying to go to shame the e-bikers? I, I don't really get it. Or well, the folks that are not wearing the right clothing or for whatever reason are sort of doing it wrong in the minds of the folks that were there before. And we have the same thing on the car side, but it's, it's wrong in both cases. It's wrong. And the other thing is, if we want more, if we want the infrastructure and the leaders and the decision makers to be paying attention to this, they have to see more people on them, right? Yes. So if you are an acoustic biker, which I've been for like 25 years, I'm totally like, I love it. If you're an acoustic biker and you're like going, that's not real or whatever, it's not going to get more bikers on that. So whatever gets more bikers on the road is how the transportation decision makers will go, oh yeah, now we have to pay attention. Right. You know, this rising tide lifts all boats. It's this old cliche phrase. I use it all the time, you know, because it's just like, you guys, it's your big tent. You know, I, it's so frustrating. And also kind of, you make me think, and, and this comes up a lot when I'm um, consulting with leaders at city level and kind of in climate action leadership spaces, I'm just like, try it, you'll be blown away by it, right? So yeah. it, it brings up this demo situation. And I know that EVs have kind of got that going on, but I also feel like even cities or people that could make demos happen much more often are not doing a good job. Right. So tell me about demos with EVs and kind of the potential you see for all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly for for since EV one days for twenty five years, we've been calling it butts in seats because no one believes electric vehicles are real until they drive one or or ride in one. And at, universally, whether it's a Tesla or a Leaf, the fastest car, the slowest car, whatever, the universal reaction is, "Oh my God, it's just like a real car." <laughs> my reaction <laughs> right it's how it is and you expect it to be kind of slow and pokey and compromised in all sorts of ways and then people go no it's actually just like a real car it does all the things <laughs> like and we went through the same thing with early cell phones like it's not tethered to the wall is it going to be the same is it going to do as much and it turns out that you know smartphones do not do a couple of key things any better than landlines they don't have the call quality and they don't have the talk time <laughs> and yet they do so many things better we don't care Electric vehicles of all stripes are very, very similar in that regard. They are just better 99% of the time. And yeah, okay, fine. The long distance road trip requires a bit more planning, but how often do you do that? And sort of same thing in the bike world. Fine, it's more expensive and it's heavier and it's not a real bike or whatever the cliches are. And yet if it gets someone to the party and they feel more confident trying it and they're having more fun, which means they'll do it more often, awesome. <laughs> and so the more we can apply some of these things across the board, the better. But also we have to do a better job. I know we as sort of the car people have to do a better job of incorporating bikes into the ride and drives for cars where appropriate and sort of mashing up all of these different mobility options together, rather than only having bike days and only having car days and only having transit days and scooter days or <laughs> all of the things. 
the more we can combine them and say they're all part of a continuum and the ideal mobility portfolio is to have access to all of the things in the moment that you need them. So when the car is the right thing to use, go use it without shame. But when a bike is quicker, easier, cheaper, more accessible, all of those things, do that from a day-to-day perspective. It's amazing. Everything is separated and you get kind of in your mode. One of the things, it it strikes me, I work in the plant-based food systems transition space as well. And it's similar to like, I keep saying, try it, you'll like it. People are like, oh my God, I had an impossible burger and I couldn't believe it. It's this, a lot of these are immediate replacements. And so one of the things that's always a struggle with the plant-based stuff is, and I've heard VC and kind of investors in, in restaurant changeover, you know, kind of talk about this. It's like, do you go on and on about it's vegan and it's plant-based, right? Or do you really emphasize it's delicious? And to your point, joy, right? pleasure in writing. Yeah. You know, getting and also the real stalwarts there. Are, I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear from you, like the super duper conservatives in the transportation space where it comes down to money. It's like, oh, my God, I bought my leaf. And then I was like, I won't have to go to the repair shop every five seconds thinking I'm going to spend 300 bucks and having them tell me it's a thousand bucks. Like right. the repair stuff is not even funny. So the stories behind that and and how, again, you can reach all these different markets. Like one market is going to be the resistant 70-year-old white guy with his like, you know, and what does he, and it's like, you will never have to pay for maintenance again, basically. Oh my, right. So each of those stories, but also I think, and I love that you brought out joy because joy is always what I'm talking about with the bikes. It's like, when was the last time you actually realized that you were having joy? It's been a long time. Right. Right. So, and so when you get in an EV or you get on an e-bike, it's incredible. So the demo stuff, and I love that you mentioned combining them, you know, kind of more combining them because I had a conversation with an insurance company that's very involved and e-mobility and car share and all that. And one of the things I said to them was like, if you could make sure that you you had bike racks on those EVs that could handle the heft of any right. bike or whatever, like that you thought about it the whole way, that would be incredible. And it does help the vision of all the consumers seeing how it all works together. A bike rack on a car, even normally makes you think a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, even within the bike space, you know, if you go to, to Europe, especially to Holland, cargo bikes are everywhere and, and all of the various ways to carry cargo on a bike are everywhere. But here, most people don't think of that that much. And so they imagine if I want to take a trip to the store, I'm trying to dra- you know, drape the bags over my handlebars and sort of, <laughs> so immediately they start to rule out all the things they couldn't do on a bike. And it goes back to becoming recreation, not transportation. And in order to, I think, shift that mindset towards more utility, we have to do better at displaying all of the different options for bikes, all of the different options to integrate them with cars, which for many people it becomes like, let me buy the biggest SUV so I can shove my bike in the back versus, no, actually there's some great bike racks that work on small cars. And so yes, where you have a car, that's fine, but you don't have to automatically scale up your car to accommodate your bike, which is sort of the worst results of all worlds. Well, I think to your point, the idea of displaying this, like I'm as a communication strategist, I'm like, what is the displaying? So my take, and I think we talked about this a little bit in previous situations is finding key influencers. And by influencers, I don't mean it has to be some famous movie star or rock star. I, right. I mean, the niche that you're trying to address a person from there. So a lot of times, and we've seen this with COVID and stuff, right? A lot of times, 
they need a doctor that they really respect right. to say, go get a vaccination. And so I'm looking at cities and leaders and everyone sort of poo-poos their mayor because they're sick of them. And from the bike perspective, it's like, they're not doing anything, right? right. And so, and my whole thing is like, what if we spotted a couple mayors, especially in middle America, right? That you and I live on coast. So it's like, but if you go after mayors in the middle of the country and go, we will give you an e-bike for two weeks for you to ride in and out of work or whatever, we won't force you to talk about it, but right. you and I know the joy pops up the first time. Yep. And so I feel pretty comfortable that leveraging influencers and really like for me, it's going to be city leaders, transportation leaders, mayors, et cetera. It influences a lot more people than we think. Yes. Right? Oh, it, it then, absolutely does. Right? For sure. And then also looking at from my other world, right? Looking at music industry people who happen to ride an e-bike or who happen to drive an EV, how can we leverage that? And they've got huge social media platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the influencers are really important. And I mean, even 10 years ago, um, the mayor of Indianapolis, back in the time we weren't really getting anyone to talk about EVs. He got totally into EVs and he was a very conservative Republican. And he just sort of became like this very sort of cool person from an influencer perspective versus everybody thinking of electric vehicle influencers as Ed Bagley Jr. <laughs> and so he sort of stood out that way and had a lot of influence at the time. Obviously, we need many more. We need to multiply that scenario. And frankly, all everybody's welcome because everybody has influence within their space. And I mean, historically, the most influential factor for adopting electric vehicles is knowing someone who has. And I cannot imagine that is any different from cars to bikes. Basically, we sort of all look at, oh, it works for somebody like me. It works for my neighbor. It works for my coworker. It works for whoever. It works for coming across Andrea in the parking lot with her leaf going, but a bike is awesome too. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this random person in my community, it works for them. And so that helps take sort of de-risk the situation quite a bit. I also love the, I've come across a few YouTube videos of local bikers here who, who try to encourage their own brethren to tamp down the shaming. It's like, it doesn't matter what you wear, come on in, it's all fine. You're doing it right. Don't worry. It's like all the things that they know all the newbies worry about, they just sort of try to say, look, it's fine. <laughs> and yes, there are buttheads in our world, but don't worry about it. It's fine. You're doing it fine. Just do it at all. And that's how to start. And so we all have to work on that within our own little influential spheres as well of both encouraging, come on in the joy, but also amongst ourselves and each other, take it down a notch when it comes to the judgment. And let's make sure we really are being more welcoming so more people are willing to try. And I think we also have to become more subversive in a good Ooh. way, more conspiratorial. Okay. I, I am off. I mean, I, I understand the resentment. Everyone sort of goes, well, electric vehicles and therefore cars are getting all the attention and they're terrible and we hate them. And they're just more of the same problem because car dominance is the problem. And yes, all of that is true. <laughs> but I think we can also leverage, and I know we can leverage the enthusiasm for what people think of as electric cars to electric vehicles more broadly, whether it's bikes or buses. And we overlook that a lot of the attraction, especially for politicians, <laughs> is jobs. It is use of domestic energy versus foreign oil, which is particularly <laughs> resonant on certain coasts. There's a lot of these things that sort of translate currently into enthusiasm for electric cars that also apply at least as much or more to other sectors. And that rather than resenting the one getting the attention, let's co-opt it. <laughs> 
let's steal some of that and and work together so that we apply it more broadly. And I, I mean, I think also there's a huge amount that the sides can learn from each other. Certainly on the bike side, I, I'm an absolute newbie when it comes to personal biking. I have a bike, I use a bike. I also live in a place that I cannot imagine crossing certain major streets on that bike because the infrastructure is terrible. And mm -hmm. it's it just, it's scary to go too far. So I ride it around town and I can ride it sort of you know, locally as recreation, but it it is daunting for newbies like me to think about you know, dry, riding on a 50 mile road <laughs> along with all the cars. I think we have to address that most of all to get more people to join the bike side and make them comfortable doing it. And certainly I am confident all the bike people know far better <laughs> what we need to be doing to actually have that effect than I necessarily do. So rather than resent all the cars, I would so much rather, I'm the one in the, in the clubhouse rooms or wherever asking the stupid question of like, how do I get my town to do bike lanes? <laughs> because those of you that have been there, done that, come teach me so that I can become one of you helping to argue for this rather than, well, we, we end up sort of dismissing so many folks that are daunted, don't know how to go about supporting getting infrastructure, whatever will make them more comfortable riding. And so therefore they just give up and go, well, biking's not for me, I'll stick with my car. And that doesn't help either. You make wonderful points. One of the things that as we're talking about influencers, it, 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 and using kind of that leverage in your own sphere, it does take noticing that someone's eyeballing, right? The EV or the e-bike. And then you have to be bolder to reach out and say that. And also, you know, say, hey, you think it's cool? Let's talk. So I, obviously I'm more like that. Just it sort of is the reason I do the work that I do and whatever, but I am constantly encouraging people. You love your e-bike. Remember to say that when you see people kind of eyeing it. So I'm literally doing that. I think there's so much power in this influence and choosing to leverage your influence and to take that step. And then the other thing now I remember is that I have started a couple of people on e-bikes and done that, and they have been very scared. It is really scary when you look at the city and how you do that. One of the things that people that have been doing it for a long time will tell you, even when you look at your city's supposed bike map, no, 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 right? What you do is you go one road off. Yeah. And you know sure. what I mean? And so, and in COVID, a lot of these healthy streets or stay healthy streets or whatever they're called in wherever your city, that those are little secrets. Now, I will literally tell people, I will see people looking like they're kind of newer to it and shy. And I'll be like, hey, I just want to make sure you know that First Avenue North South is a great way, blah, blah, blah. So we as advocates and sort of people that are like possessed with this and want to forward this, we have to notice and chime in and be maybe a little bolder with our outreach and like speaking up for it. Right. The, other, the other thing I will say is I met a great guy via clubhouse who is involved in city leadership in the Pittsburgh area, I believe. And I was really curious, what are, what are the phrases? What are the things they need to hear to start forwarding this? And he said, and this is a tip, the term complete streets is the one that more cities and leaders are looking at. So instead of going e-bikes, e-bikes, you're not paying attention to e-bikes, figure out that you just talk about complete streets and you will ultimately get your bike infrastructure, right? right? So learning to speak the language. And I think just by reaching out to that guy who I've since become more friends with and whatever, I'm sharing stuff. He's like saying, do you have a link for this? Because I'm trying to make a, a business case for blah, blah, blah. People, be responsible for gathering a couple resources so that you can automatically go, here's a resource if you're trying to build a business case on yes. blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, and where there are online resources, 
figuring out how to better centralize them, share them, access oh. them, <laughs> help us newbies know what we're supposed to be looking for. All of those things would be super, super useful. I also, on the subversive front, I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this by a few of the bike advocates, but especially, I mean, I live in the Los Angeles area and there's plenty of folks that want to stick with their cars. Of course, it's a very car dominant place. And therefore, any talk of bikes feels threatening to them. Yes. And so I have very much adopted the tactic of, hey, look, you should support bike lanes and transit, frankly, because it will get more people out of their cars for those of you who want to stay in them. It is less congestion for those of you who won't get out of your cars. And isn't that a great thing? And so some people sort of, they hate that I do that because they're like, but you're justifying that they're still using cars. It's like, you're condoning it. It's like, yeah, but if that's what gets this built, I kind of don't care. Like how much should it, I care about the table in a lot of these scenarios more than I care about what gets somebody to the table. The table is the solution. The argument that works like for, for electric vehicles, I don't care if it's because you love torque or because you love the environment or because you want domestic energy, whatever. If you come to the solution, that's awesome. And so same thing here. If it means we get bike infrastructure, I don't care if it, if it's in part due to all of the rabid car people who just think we'll be out of their way. Well, to your point, it's the uh, when the ends justify the means, right? And come on, people, let's be real. I'll keep going back to 70-year-old white guy driving his huge whatever, SUV or what. It's like there's no way that guy is getting out of that. And so, you know, really. And so let that be and kind of attract them by saying, well, you know, that congestion thing. Exactly. And, and frankly, it, some of them may get out of their cars, but they're definitely not going to do that until they see the solution. So starting with, yeah, they'll, they'll, it'll be more people out of your way for your car. But then once they start to see the bike lanes and the bikes being used and the buses and the whatevers, then it becomes, well, maybe I could use that sometimes, but until they see it, they're not going to imagine it. I mean, ironically, 15 years ago, when we were running around the country with Who Killed the Electric Car, the first movie, the number one thing we always heard was, I didn't know electric cars were possible. Oh! <laughs> and that is still true. More than half of people in California who has been the leading state in on California. electric vehicles could not name you a single electric vehicle. Awareness is still really low. And so because we're all steeped in this all the time, we tend to overlook just how much people need to sort of be reminded and see these things being used in the real world. And all, just like the dude who loved your leaf in the parking lot. I mean, we used to tell new EV drivers, like don't ever buy ice cream at Ralph's <laughs> because you'll end up talking, talking for half an hour in the parking lot and your ice cream will melt. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I mean, right now, if the point, if you're all freaking out about climate change and it's almost like when you become an EV driver, you do go, you know what, my trip will take longer because I'm half the do that stop in the middle and kind of load, you know, recharge, yeah. et cetera. It's like shift your mind. If you're going to go out on your e-bike on a beautiful day and get ice cream, add in a half hour for standing around talking to people. That is right. your contribution to climate action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But on that front too, I don't personally lean hard into the climate argument. For I appreciate particular that. topics. <laughs> yes. I, I, we haven't found them to be all of that impactful from a Climate environmental standpoint, the one that has worked so much more, at least with respect to, to cars, is local air pollution and asthma, health benefits, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That resonates far more, especially with parents and, and all of that than climate, which I have found to be 
too vague for most people. I mean, even those that sort of care about it, they don't equate the individual actions of adopting an electric car, an electric bike or whatever to actually doing it any more than it, it actually benefiting or, or mitigating climate change any more than they do recycling their cans. It's sort of all the same thing. So per the table argument, if fun or joy or <laughs> saving money or whatever is what gets you there over climate, I, I'm not as concerned about anyone doing these things for the right reason. I care more about them doing them. <laughs> well, it's like, and I totally appreciate, I'm glad that you made that point. It is like sneaking climate action in the back door. Yeah. And, and it's it all vegetables in, in your kid's food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the other thing. It's just like, it's the same thing I see in my plant-based work. It's like, you know what? You The minute you kind of convert to a plant-based diet, you feel so great. It is all that. It's health. It's right. all that. And it's also- It's church like, and horse arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and then it's like, oh, by the way, did you know that right. the carbon emissions were whatever? The other thing about kind of EVs, you know, just the technology, same with the bikes, is just, I really find it compelling that you know, you get this thing at the end, like you understand that you saved this many emissions or whatever, like that isn't necessarily a part of it. I think that was part, I rented a bike in San Francisco a couple of years ago, right? And it was like, by riding your trip, the carbon emissions saved or whatever. So that doesn't, that doesn't, you don't think that attracts you or that interests you. But right. again, on the back end, you're like, oh, right. And then you gamify the whole thing. So the yeah. other thing about the EV, just having this leap is I'm suddenly going, wait a second, I'm watching the gauge thing and I watch the gauge thing. You can tell me what it's called, but when it goes down under the gauge because you're actually charging the car as you go down right, the hill right. or the, Yeah, it's a power usage gauge, basically. Yeah, that is, that, I am not a game person. I just right. was like, I was like, how cool is that? And so now I'm very attentive when I'm going downhill to what that's doing. I'm also way more attentive to how I am putting my, you know, pedal on the, not the gas, right? But putting my pedal down. Yeah just to see, and I am not a gaming person. So all that is to say that the kind of the fun statistics and the stuff that come out of this, they will appeal to anyone. Even the 70 year old guy that we finally get to try an EV is going to be like, that is so cool. And I'm thinking the same thing with regard to, I've got like a 13 year old neighbor boy who I didn't, he's pretty typical and whatever. And as soon as I pulled that car up, his dad was like, oh, why it's really I and your EV. And I was like, Ooh, that's an opportunity. And I'm even yes. thinking I'm going to take him out for a ride because younger generation gaming, they're all about video, whatever, like the coolness of driving for 20 minutes around Seattle and watching that charge right. thing go up and down is amazing. Yeah. Well, and they, I mean, yes, the kids resonate to this as much as we do, if not more. And sometimes it is the, sometimes it's the gaming some, and the, sort of the tech. Sometimes it is the torque because it feels really fast, even if it's sort of just a leaf as opposed to a Tesla, but they're all sort of fun. And, and that attracts teenagers quite a bit. And across the board, they know so much more and they are so influential with their own parents and families that it's often a way to walk the adults into the equation is to grab the kids first. Yeah. And that's the same thing that we've seen with just environmental stuff in general, with eating differences, et cetera, et, yeah. et cetera. It's like all these different ways, again, to keep sneaking this into their lives because they don't know what they don't know. They really don't know right. what they're missing. Yeah. And it becomes, I mean, the... the the balance becomes getting people to try new things without thinking of them as an inherent compromise. Yes. You know, and so we talk about it in terms of joy, but it is also mitigating that compromise. And there's a fair amount of data that shows that 
being presented with an incentive is actually less influential than the sense of a punishment. And the way that we often see this happen is comparing um, electric vehicle incentives versus the states that have started to adopt an electric vehicle registration fee because they're not buying gasoline. And taking away the incentives, this happened in Georgia where they took away a $5,000 incentive and that was less discouraging than the market than adding a fee of like $200. Sorry, so the I punishment was more impactful and more discouraging even though the amount of money was so different. And it's it's basically that psychology that we have to keep in mind of, you know, yes, EVs offer all sorts of things. And the more we can demonstrate them, the better. That's awesome. But the sense of compromise or punishment is just as important to mitigate or not present. Ooh, I not, love it. It's not like, you know, well, it's meatless. It's not technically cow, but, you know, it'll be okay. It's, right, right, right. I mean, there's a reason that Impossible, A, Impossible Burger's head of PR was also the head of PR for Tesla. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so there's some connection there. Um, but there's a reason they started with like Impossible Whoppers and going to White Castle and basically incorporating that product into super familiar foods that in some ways have other things on them. I mean, it's not its not like, here's a hunk of just this product so you can really tell the difference. It was like, here it is in the context of a thing you're already eating. And in that context, people really can't tell the difference. And that got them to, to sort of entertain the idea, well, if I can't tell the difference there, maybe I can't tell the difference if I make it into tacos or whatever the case is. Yeah, so the, so the term is really, a re, you use the term replacement. So it has to be kind of a direct replacement. Well, it doesn't have to be a direct replacement, but it has to be something that people aren't sensing as a compromise. Just okay. like the just like the the smartphone analogy of like, oh, they don't have the talk time or the call quality, and and increasingly we don't really use them to call people. We use them for everything else. But they do the overall experience is better, which makes people less obsessed with the couple things that are different or perceived as not as good or whatever the case is. So, and with electric cars, it's. You know, yeah, technically, if you really want to drive cross country, because that's usually the psychology there. People go, what if I want to drive to, to New York tomorrow? And no one ever does. No but that is, does. it's an American thing. Is it entirely our psychology? And so, yes, we're building out charging so that you can do that if you want to. <laughs> but You're going to do more, it once in your lifetime. <laughs> the more important thing when it comes to mobility is to get people toward the thing that is a better experience 95% of the time and away from obsessing about that last 5%. And so just like, you know, bikes are often more convenient 95% of the time. No, it is not the right vehicle for Home Depot, probably. <laughs> right, right. Well, at this point, and I mean, we could go on because I do a whole other kind of focus on psychologistics and getting e-cargo bikes as last mile delivery. Like that's a whole, right. but that's a piece. But of if you're thinking like, you know, two by fours and things, the bike oh, yeah, is probably yeah. not the right choice for that. Yeah, and that's yeah. what everyone thinks about for Home Depot. Fine. But if it's better 95% of the time and more convenient to deal with, you're not searching for parking, you're not paying for parking and on and on and on, that needs to be the focus yes. of the conversation we're having. And, you know, if you need a truck, go rent a truck twice a year, whatever the case is. Or, you know, I want to see more mobility services anyway that do offer convenient access to these other solutions so that people can say, oh, I, a bike can become my dominant vehicle because I know that when I need the other thing, I have access to it and I don't really have to think hard about planning to rent a car and going to pick it up and on and on and on. It just becomes a more seamless experience. And the more we can reduce the perceived friction 
even if it's not actual friction, right? <laughs> the more people are going to be willing to try this stuff. Yeah. And that's a really good point because I even starting to just because I'm newer to owning an EV, driving down to Portland or whatever, I'm thinking, okay, I can, I can see it as a chance to, <clears throat> excuse me, experience recharging in the middle and whatever, but I can also for borrow a friend's gas vehicle if need be, right? right? Or sort of visualize like it's not horrible if I ultimately decide I need to borrow somebody's gas vehicle right. for that trip, that's fine. But it is a rethinking. I actually ran into somebody on a dog walk this morning who was like, well, I'm buying a truck because I do a lot of off-road and I have to ski and whatever. And then I'm going to get a new mountain bike. And I was just like, why don't you get an e-mountain? Like I just, right. and she had never, ever thought of it. Right. And then I also explained, this is all new to me, Chelsea, the idea of leasing a car, because I, I have this d- practical dad in Michigan, right? And when, yeah. you, when we bought you know cars, cars, you buy the car and you do not let go of it until it falls into the ground, which is what I did. And so I was not even like thinking about leasing a car. But when somebody made the point, probably the guy at the dealership, that the batteries are only going to get better, why would you buy the ev right now until it does what you need it to do well i i want to be a little careful there okay please (laughs) because i don't want to discourage people buying the batteries are already really good oh and in fact they're lasting longer and better than we thought they might so i do not want to discourage anyone from buying an ev because they think the batteries aren't good enough or the current condition isn't good enough it is true that as time goes on they will get better the range um And and there will be more variety of vehicles and stuff. And so it it is, the majority of EVs are leased right now for those, basically those reasons. But especially in the used car market, buy a car, buy an EV. There's no, there's no reason to say, no, 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 you're going to be stuck with a lemon if you do that. So I I want to be a little careful on that front. And I appreciate that because again, it goes to, I'm thinking about that in terms of range or whatever, but then the reality is, is that the more that you kind of get used to various ways that things work, the less, the more you will find a car that you're going to rent for that. Like I only do those trips a couple of times, you know, like it isn't. So it's just this whole, I appreciate that. It's a life. It's just a mind shift altogether. Right. And I do. We tend to vastly overestimate our range needs. Oh, especially those of us who live in cities because we sit in traffic all day long. We sure do. And so therefore we like, you're sitting in traffic for two hours and you're thinking I must've gone a hundred (laughs) miles. And especially in Los Angeles, it's more like you went 15 miles. <laughs> well, it's similar in Seattle, but to your point, that's why thinking even about just an e-bike, right. like you only are really doing, you know, 15 mile round trip tops, right? right? In whatever city you're in for the most part in the many, many days. Right. So yeah, I really appreciate that. So I want to be conscious of your time and just thank you so much. But is there anything that we talked about sort of looking at the future of this and where this is headed points that we have not brought up that that you want to just kind of add in before we close. I think the only other thing that I thought of as we were talking about getting people to try things. So I started my career selling cars for Saturn as a teenager and Saturn is no longer around as a brand, but it was a company that was very well known for great customer service and no haggle and introducing new ideas to the public but it was also a new brand and on in some ways it was a GM brand so it wasn't entirely new but people weren't familiar with it. And so one of the things that they did was offer a 30 day money back guarantee. You could buy a Saturn. And if for whatever reason you decided it didn't work for you within 30 days or 1500 miles, you bring it back, no questions asked. 
if we wanted to completely de-risk EVs for anyone that is interested but kind of concerned, will it really work for me? We need to be thinking more about that stuff. And, and in some ways we call it sort of the puppy thing. Like you give someone a puppy and they never want to give it back. And the timing is important. But some, some dealers will give you a weekend loan or something like that. The 30 days was important because after about two weeks, it becomes your car. Like your kid's soccer stuff is in it. <laughs> All of the various things are in the car and, and you don't even think about really giving it back. But it takes a bit of time to sort of get to that point. And even in the early Nissan LEAF days, Nissan used to come to conferences and sort of talk about it takes an average of 10 days for range anxiety to fall away for a new EV driver. And this was in their then 100-ish mile car. Obviously, it's a little different if it's a 300-mile EV or something else. But knowing that, the more we can facilitate trying and incorporating it into your life in a way that doesn't feel so risky of committing to a thing that may not work the more we're gonna get people to be willing to both try these things in the first place and then keep them because they will see, oh, it does work for me. And I don't drive 200 miles a day just because I'm sitting in traffic and on all of that. And same thing, I think on the bike front. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I love that you said that because I compl- that's a wonderful way to end. And I do agree that there's a lot that the e-bike world and sort of thinking about this could really use from that knowledge, the understanding of the 30 days and it takes 10 days and kind of those specifics. Yeah. That's wonderful. So when we get offline, I'm going to ask you for a couple of links, but okay. at this point, I just want to thank you. Um, and I just appreciate your time so much. And Absolutely. I look forward Thanks to for being, having me. being connected more. Um, And we'll talk, we'll keep talking. So I really appreciate your time, Chelsea. Absolutely. Thank you.